You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, welcome to the Little Me podcast with me, Mark Tuminelli. I hope you're all doing okay during this insanity. We just celebrated six weeks of quarantine here in New York. It's a good thing I like my apartment. Um, When I was thinking of people that I could talk to who could spread some joy at this time, I kept coming back to one person that I wanted to sit down with and talk to about ye old Broadway. Um, so I'm so excited to have the Broadway star of Tuck Everlasting, Sarah Charles Lewis with me today. Hi, Sarah Hi. Charles. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Are you, are you fantastic? Um, so does everyone call you Sarah Charles or do people call you Sarah? Do you give them side eye if they call you Sarah? <laughs> um, no, uh, either is fine. Some people call me Sarah Charles. Some people call me Sarah. I sort of love a Sarah Charles. So we're going, we're going Sarah Charles today. Awesome. I love it. Um, it's so, it's so Southern. And I love that. Um, so if you're not familiar with Sarah Charles's story, she made her Broadway debut. How old were you? 12 or 13? Uh, I was 12. 12. Um, 12 in the Broadway musical Tuck Everlasting. And we're going to get all into Tuck and talk about that wild story of being part of that show. Um, how's your uh, quarantine going so far? I mean, I'm pretty good. I'm watching a lot of TV eating a lot, looking in the fridge, not looking in the fridge, you know, just wasting time. (laughs) We feel it. It's a lot of, I've taken up baking, which has been like more of a joke because I'm terrible at it. Um, So is there a TV show or movie or something, a series you're watching that's getting you through? Uh, Yes. I just finished watching Outer Banks. Have you heard of it? Ooh, no. Tell me about Outer Banks. It's so good. It's like just a teen drama. Lots of romance. You gotta love it. Um, Basically about like these kids that 
live at the beach and it's just like their lives and um this one guy is like searching for all this gold it's like really good you should watch it all right i'm gonna give it a whirl it sounds like i'm gonna be 40 so i don't know if that's for me but no you should watch it anyway all right i'm on it um my big obsession is a show called catastrophe it's on amazon prime it's a british um sitcom uh with sharon horgan and rob delaney it is so funny um it's more like you know if you maybe are older than 18, you might be into it, but it's a sort of a marriage comedy about this American and this British girl in London. It's so good. Um, so check that out if you're interested in British comedy. Um, but it's like also very American feeling. So I'm obsessed with it. And I have like three more episodes left and I'm like hoarding them. Um, I'll say, let's go back before Tuck. Um, now you're not a New York city kid. You grew up and you, you live in Milton, Georgia, right? Yes. Are you guys still in Milton? Are we allowed yeah. to tell them your hometown? Um, it's like everywhere. It's all over. Everyone can find out where you live. Um, <laughs> and so how did you start performing? How did it like kick off for you? Well, both of my parents met in a band. My mom was the lead singer and my dad played the piano and played the saxophone. So like I grew up in a very musical house. Uh, so I was always singing around my home and they're like, huh, maybe we should put Sarah in some dance classes. So <laughs> I went to dance classes and then I ended up going to like this, um, local, um, off it's called off Broadway children's theater and just like tiny little shows, like 90 minute children's shows. And my first show I ever did was, um, once on this Island and I was in the ensemble and, I just ended up loving it so much and I kept doing shows there and then I wanted to work professionally and my mom, you know, understood the the business and took me to auditions and I ended up working professionally and I, yeah, just went off from there. So they, they got a sense that you were more interested in it than, you know, playing softball or doing other things that, <laughs> that, that you're doing. Um, so for the last revival of Annie, you, uh, so you, how did you went pretty far in the process of that show, right? Um, I was in a local production of Annie professional theater in Atlanta. So you play Annie, um, and in Atlanta and does that like kind of kick you off that everyone knows like you're like a big child star in Atlanta? <laughs> well, I would hope so. Um, it was my very first professional show because before I just did like little local children's theater things and I was at my performing arts um, after school programs and all. And it was just like my first real thing. And I realized that, you know, it was my first thing working with adults and like that whole world. It was just completely different than what I was used to. And after singing tomorrow on that big stage at like what nine, it was insane. I, it was just that rush of energy. And I was like, I know I want to do this for the rest of my life. And did you get like an agent or local manager or anything after that experience? Um, yes. Uh, well, I go to New York a lot, you know, just for auditions, yeah. taping and all. And when I was up there, I, had so many friends, just like a small world. You just have so many local. That, like you meet people. at auditions and. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Um, I ended up signing with uh, Nancy Car Carson uh, agency in New York. And I've been with her for a long time now. And she awesome. worked through that process with Tuck and all. It was amazing. So when Tuck was coming up at the Alliance where it started before Broadway, um, what was your, did you have any connection with that theater? Or did you know, like, this is like a little girl role in my hometown. Like mm -hmm. I have to get it. 
Uh, yes, my brother was just in Bull Durham there, the world premiere of that at the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to give credit to him. No, he was. Uh, so he everyone was- in your whole family is a performer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my brother's at Northwestern University right That's now. So cool. Um yeah. And so when you saw him do Bull Durham at the Alliance, were you like, I want to work at this theater? Did you know already Tuck was going to happen there? Uh, I had no idea that it was going to come there. Uh, he just made so many connections there. And uh, one of the casting directors for the Alliance, he was like, yo, I have a sister, you know. And then she was like, oh, wow, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then he was just like bragging on me and talking about me. And uh, he opened that door for me. And um, I ended up figuring, figuring out that there was a Tuck Everlasting audition there just for the role premiere. I didn't know that at that age, I was like, I think 11, 10, maybe. Um, I didn't really understand the how far in depth the whole world premiere thing or what it really meant because I was so new to it all. And um, I just went into audition because it was after Annie. I was like, oh, this is another professional thing I can do. So I just went into the audition and it ended up just opening this massive door to Broadway. I never thought that it would become that. (laughs) So what did you have? Do you remember the audition? What did you have to prepare? What was that experience like? Oh my goodness. It was probably the worst audition I've ever had in my life. We love it. Tell us what happened. (laughs) It was terrible. I will, at first there were multiple auditions, um, multiple callbacks and all, but the very first one, um, we all just walked in all these girls. We all looked so similar. It's so crazy walking into auditions and there's a certain type that they're looking for. It's just so crazy when you walk into the room and so many girls have blue eyes, same height, blonde hair. It's like, what? It's crazy. Um, but we all just sang the song together, got to know each other. Um, what was it? Like Good Girl, Winnie Foster, what did they teach you? That was exactly the song. Yeah, we all sang it together. And they said, just go sit in the hallway. We're going to call you in one by one. And I made so many friends, like local Atlanta kids. Uh, And when I went in to sing Good Girl, Winnie Foster alone, we had to prepare sides also. So I went in, I sang my song, right? Just like a normal audition. And I thought that it was smart to like throw my script across the room because I thought that maybe I was so little. I was like, I I don't know if I should put my script on the ground while I sing. Maybe I should keep it in my hand while I sing. Maybe I should just throw it across the room while I sing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) that's what you did. I I frisbeed it like across the room and the director started like laughing the entire creative team. And it was so embarrassing because then after that, they're like, hey, can you read the sides for me? And then I was like, well, let me just walk across the room to get them. You know, it was just so embarrassing, but I didn't know what to do. And I was so nervous and the nerves got the best of me. But later on, after I was on Broadway and I made relationships with them all, they were like, no, we remembered you because it was so funny and you were just being a normal kid and you showed us your personality and they ended up thinking it was so funny. (laughs) Um, Were you familiar with the book by Natalie Babbitt or were you familiar with the movies? There's like two movies, right? Yes, I was familiar with the book because a lot of my friends in elementary school had read it. Um, But then when I got the audition, I decided to read it just to figure out the character and the story, obviously. So I ended up reading that book so many times by the time um, the show closed on Broadway. I probably read that book 
just infinite amount of times. I love that. Um, tell me about the show in Atlanta. How did it, um, so now you get the job, which is like a really big deal. How, how did that, did they, who told you you got it? What did you think when you booked it? Um, well, my mom was kind of like my manager, I guess. My mom just kind of. Momager. Yes. She was amazing. And, um, she basically said, Sarah, I think you should sit down for a moment. I said, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, you got the role in Atlanta and Tuck. And I just like screamed up and down. It was just, it was crazy. And I was so happy, not even knowing that, you know, it would go to Broadway. I had no idea. I was just so happy that I booked a professional show. Like I was just freaking out and I was so happy. And then, um, when I, and then after that, the creative team, um, said after the entire Atlanta run, uh, the main executive producer, Beth Williams, she said, Sarah, we'd like to take you to Broadway. And that was just like, I'll never forget that moment. It was just insane. Um, when you guys were doing your run in in Atlanta, did, um, did you think you, you didn't know about Broadway yet, right? No, 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 no. So while you were doing it, there was obviously a lot of talk about, you know, this show is going to come in or they're going to bring the show to Broadway. You had Casey Nicholas, your director, um, and everything he was, you know, does kind of moves to Broadway. Um, where was that like a big conversation you people were having with you? Like, this is going to Broadway, you're going to do it. Or were you like freaking out? Like, I'm going to be too old. Like what was happening during that process? Well, um, a lot of the same cast uh, moved to Broadway from Atlanta. So I made very special relationships with people like, you know, Andrew Keenan Bolger and um, Carolee Carmelo. You know, I made those relationships and they would just say, you know, just being real and saying there's so many shows that I've had in my lifetime. I'm just talking there. And they said, you know, you never know what's going to go to Broadway and what's not going to go to Broadway and so I never really got my hopes up too much because I knew if it didn't go to Broadway, I was, you know, going to be super sad. Um, so, but then when it did, yeah, there was a lot of talk going around, but I tried to block it out um, just to not be so sad if it didn't. But I knew that this was such a big deal and that I wanted to go to Broadway so bad in the bottom of my heart. So when it did, it was just life changing. What was the audience reaction in Atlanta? Because I was at the opening there um, and it was very exciting. It felt like a very electric night. It was so emotional. I remember when I think back at Tuck, there was like an adult man sitting next to me by himself weeping. And then also me, adult man by myself weeping. Um, There was something about that, seeing that before Broadway, before that felt very like raw. What was your, uh, what was your experience of the audience reaction? Um, it was different. It was very different. Um, the Broadway script and the Atlanta script are very different. Because We're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yes. No, we added Tim Federley to the yeah. creative team uh, for the Broadway run. So those are just two different scripts. So yes, obviously two very different uh, audience reactions uh, to different moments, different comedic comedic timing things. Um, it was getting used to, it was really hard being in a world premiere, originating the role, you know, new script every single day, new lines, new songs, new score every day, something different until the show is frozen. Uh, so it just really opened a lot of mental doors for me. And I learned so much 
so quickly, I'm sure. Learn these lines in two seconds right before I go on stage. Oh, here's a new scene for you. It's like, what? (laughs) Um, No, it was it was incredible. Um, And so when did you know for sure that it was going to Broadway and you were going with it? Uh, When the executive producer told me we would like to take you to Broadway. Uh, And that was a lot of just we had to plan so much, like, how are we going to move? What am I going to do with my family? What, what's going to happen? Do I, so what did you guys decide? How did you make that work with your, with your family? Um, my mom came up with me and we lived in an apartment up there and my mom, my dad would switch out every once in a while, you know, taking care of me, momager, dadager, whatever. (laughs) And my brother would come up a lot and visit. Um, and, I mean, it ended up being really hard because me and my brother are so close and, you know, he, I got to give credit for him. I mean, he opened this entire door for me from the and beginning then, like, bragging yeah. about me. Um, but he's just been my number one fan and I've been his and yeah, it's, it, it was, it ended up being okay. And we both support each other in the business, which is cool. So you come to New York, you get an apartment, you start rehearsals, not only as, not only as an actor doing a Broadway show, you're an actor being the lead of a Broadway show (laughs) at 12 year old, at 12 years old. It's, it's like a wild amount of pressure. Um, Did you feel that? Were you just so in awe of the experience? Tell us about those first couple of days of rehearsal for the Broadway production. I can only imagine that being on Broadway as an adult is just so different than being on Broadway as a kid because, you know, we have to deal with school, we have to deal with wranglers, we have to deal with, um, you know, with being a kid. Like, I was one of the only kids in the show. It's not like it was Matilda and we had, like, four million kids in the show. I mean, it was basically just me and Marco, who was just a little kid, and then my understudies, and um, I ended up getting really close to them. I walked into the room for the first table read, and obviously there's a new there's new people to the cast there's familiar people in the cast for the Broadway run and I'd never done a table read kind of thing with like a brand new script it was just so odd because usually I'm I'm familiar with um an in stone script like Annie it's like a very it's a classic show but with this you know you have a binder that you can rip out pages put in new pages you have literally people with pencils writing in new lines i mean it was just such a such a blur because it was just, it honestly felt like a dream. I did not think that it was happening. I genuinely thought that I was asleep this whole Broadway experience. It was just insane. Like I can't even describe it. Um, Did you have input on things? Would people say to you like, Sarah Charles, do you like it better like this? Or do you think this would be funnier like this? Like, did you have a lot of input in creating sort of what the, the final version of Winnie Foster is? Yes. And that is probably the coolest thing about originating a role is that, you know, Claudia Shear and Tim Federley would be like, hey, um, would you rather like, do you think this is funnier or do you think this is funnier? And, you know, as a kid, I'm just like straight up like, I think I should do this. <laughs> and so they're like, OK, try it on stage tonight because, you know, they're like a million previews before it's locked in. And you know, for example, I would say something on the stage and they'd be like, hey, I love it. And the audience loved it and they would laugh or it would get a really good reaction and they would keep it. And it's and it's amazing because when I watch um, bootlegs of high school productions of Tuck around the world, you know, them saying the line that I created, it's just really it's an odd it's an odd feeling knowing that there's um, thousands of kids out there that are 
you know, playing the role that you created. Yeah, it's, it must be like kind of pretty heady to like watch someone else do it. Um, have you seen a full production of the show or just a, a YouTube situation? Um, I have. I saw a local high school uh, production of Tuck. It was the first time I'd ever seen it in person. I'd ever seen the show before. Oh my God. So then, was that the most wild experience? It was emotional. Yeah. It was super emotional watching it. Um, it just brought back so many memories. I'm just going to cry talking about it. It was just like, it was incredible watching all these kids um, bring it to life again. And so many kids around the world um, let the Tuck Everlasting spirit live on. It's had, it's had such a big life, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, going back to sort of this process of creating a new musical on Broadway with a lot of kind of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of people trying to figure out what can make this show a success. Um, were you feeling like a lot of pressure during previews? Did it ever feel overwhelming to you? It did feel overwhelming because not only was I in a world premiere with new scripts every day, you know, I was the lead of the show and I barely left this stage. Um, so I don't know how I did it. I don't know if I could do it now. I think <laughs> I'm sure you could. It's something about like just having a young, like, I, I know I'm talking as if I'm 50, but like having a young mind, just like, just soaking everything up from the experience. And just, I still remember like all of these pages and pages and pages of lines. It just never leaves your brain. How are you at keeping track of those like quick changes where they're like, okay, now say these lines in reverse order, or now these <laughs> two lines come at the end. How did you do that at like your, at, you know, 12 years old? How did you keep track of that? Did you have like a system? I have no idea. Like, I don't know how I did it at all. I don't. Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, there's some blind faith about just being 11 and like, she's adorable. Get her up there. Like, yeah, um, I don't understand it. Like so many like even Carly Carmelo would say to me, you know, because she had so many new lines, too. And here I was like in my dressing room, just like highlighting and like writing little doodles on my script. And Carly's like, how do you already have a memorized? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. And then we would just run lines together. And my mom would always help me run lines. And I don't know how I did it, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, what was opening on Broadway like for you? Like just that blur. night? Just a blur. Like it's, it was just insane. It was insane. I remember uh, coming off stage right after, I think Good Girl it was, after my main song, uh, I came off stage and Jessica Lee Golden was there. 
And I was, and she was like, how are you? How are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like how, you know, how's it going? Just like checking in on me. Right. Cause it's a big <laughs> moment. Like the house is full. They're screaming super loud. And I was like, you know, um, I'm, I'm really nervous because Playbill's out there and Broadway World's out there and there's critics out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm living my best life. <laughs> um, it, it was just a blur. I, I can't. It was just insane. I just know that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I just knew that just right after that moment coming off stage, after the applause, after just the bonding of the cast, after learning so many versions of the script. It was just it's just so magical. And then, um, so once the show's open and you kind of get into the rhythm of being the star of this show on Broadway, um, now, Top Everlasting ran 39 performances, right? And I know everyone had hoped that this would be the next big Broadway family hit. When did you start to feel like, uh, I'm a little, starting to get worried, like what's going on? Well, I'd never experienced anything like this, like the rest of the cast, you know, the rest of the cast, you know, we're, we're pros, Carol, like right, we know. Yeah. they kind of knew the ropes of a new show and a successful show and a not special successful show. And, um, they helped me through that. And I didn't really understand, um, what it all really meant at the time. So at the Broadhurst, when, um, they would be calling, emergency meetings such as like um every tuesday um come meet in the house and we're just gonna talk i'm like oh okay fun like we're gonna have a little cast bonding yeah cast bonding i didn't know what it meant you know everyone's like oh shoot like this is this it's coming tuesday meetings and i didn't know what that meant and you know i i learned that it's not good to have tuesday meetings (laughs) Um, it's not cast bonding. It's more of a, this is how ticket sales are going and you just need to be prepared in case. Um, and then when I found that out and people were just starting to tell me like, no, this is not cast bonding. You know, it just broke my heart in two. And I just, it was insane, but I was just glad that I had the experience in the first place. Oh my God, of course. It's like um, such a magical thing to be part of creating a new musical and getting to the cast album and going through the opening night. And these are the things you don't get if you're replacing someone or you're joining a show in the -hmm. third year. Um, And so to get to do all of those things at your age is so remarkable Um, and be able to deal with, you know, if, is this show a hit? Is this like, what, what's going yeah, on? And so yeah. I think it's a, it's an amazing way to start because for you, you're going to have so many opportunities where it will feel different and you'll always remember what the first one was like and how it was yeah. a little harder and, and all of that. Um, so when you found out that you guys were closing, um, how much time did you know before? Um, I only had like a, a week, I think we, when it was official, like it's closing in a week. Um, I was like, man, I'm going to soak up every single moment on that stage until it's over. Because I mean, who knows how long it's going to be until I book on Broadway again. And that's the life of being a a teenager trying to book on Broadway again. It's not like there's a million teenage roles out there because, you know, they just passed adults nowadays. (laughs) Um, So it's hard. It's hard not knowing am I going to be on Broadway again? Is this going to be my last time on the Broadway stage? It's so painful to think about that. 
Um, but And I'm sure it was really hard too because the fan reaction from other teenagers or kids a little bit younger than you or kids around your same age at the time was so enormous. You know, I would see them sort of at the stage door, you know, kind of freaking out for you and having that experience also with the other side of like, but we're closing. Was that hard to wrap your brain around? Yeah, it was. I, I guess I just got so caught up in this like dream fantasy, like I'm on Broadway world, you know, and I didn't think about in that moment, we have a week until we close, like, oh man, that means I'm going to go back home. That means I'm going to keep auditioning. That means I'm going to try and get on Broadway again. That means I'm going to go to my high school and live a normal teenage life until I book again kind of thing. Um, And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm at my high school doing shows, trying to, um, you know, go to the Jimmy's like every other high school kid that wants to be on Broadway. So I want to be able to experience that normal kid life as well. Um, So that's what I'm doing now. How was your transition going back after, you know, the show had closed and you, you know, have to leave your cast in in New York City and go back home um, and kind of be a real kid again? How was that for you? It was hard. I didn't want to go back. You know, New York is, it holds such a special place in my heart. And I know that that's where I want to live. And I didn't want to go back home. (laughs) I just wanted my family to all come to New York and all my friends to come to New York and we could all just have a New York party, right? (laughs) Um, But I did. Going back home was hard. Going back into a normal public school, um, making new friends again, um, you know, and then that transition into high school was even harder because um, I joined my high school theater program. So that just goes into another story of... um, just dealing with being a normal kid again, knowing the background of um, professional world, non-professional world, just how different they are. Do you think it's hard for um, other teenage girls your age to um, kind of deal with knowing that there's a girl in their group that has this enormous experience because I've seen it a lot with Broadway workshop kids with like the Broadway kid and the kid next to them. It's like, it's a little tricky. Did you have a hard time navigating that? Um, yeah, I'm still trying to navigate it. Um, it's just hard to find the balance of being a normal high school kid and also knowing and other people knowing that you're also not, you did experience some crazy things a few years ago. And it's just hard to balance knowing when to just when to when to be that person and when to just be a normal kid at times. It's very hard. I'm still working on it. I, I just trying to figure it all out. Um, another really cool thing that's part of the Broadway experience that gets to live on long after we're all gone is these amazing cast recordings of Broadway shows. And luckily, uh, Tuck Everlasting has such a gorgeous score and like no one can deny that. And it has had this really big sort of life as a cast album. And obviously there's a ton of regional productions and high school productions, which I want to hear you kind of talk more about. But uh, tell me about making that cast album. It was so fun. I'd never been in a recording studio before. Um, I mean, again, this whole experience, I just, I was such a It was newbie. all first, right? You yeah, know, first, I was first, such yeah. A newbie. The only thing I'd done was like a couple professional shows in Atlanta and then boom, I'm on Broadway. It was just kind of a, a big, big jump. Um, so being, being in the recording studio 
was super cool, you know, with the headphones and someone being like, no, you got to have one headphone on, one headphone off. I looked all cool and I took selfies and it was, it was cool. And looking at Andrew across the wall and us seeing top of the world together and being in a tiny, tiny little room with just a microphone, your headset and just like, it was, it was really odd. And a lot of, um, the production team would be like, no, you have to act through your song more than just being on the stage and just playing your part and singing there on the stage. You have to do as much of that as you can, just standing still in a random room you've never been in before. Just bring that character and zone it in to just one microphone. Yeah, were you guys, did you record the album while you were still running or after the show closed? Um, it, I don't even remember. I think it was after the show closed. God, it's so wild. Um, yeah. is it so crazy? I hear, I hear Everlasting probably three times a week in various workshops and classes. <laughs> it's, it's among the top five most sung songs, I would say, with you know, girls around your age, uh, well, your age then. Um, <laughs> what, uh, have you heard it a lot? Do you hear uh, kids singing it? What, what is that like? It's just amazing. It just makes me so happy that it lives on and that it didn't just happen and, and people still appreciate it and do it at their high schools and love it as much as I do. It's just really cool. I love it. Um, so going back to having, you know, seen, seen the show, are there things that you see in the show? You're like, I never noticed that, or that's such a great idea. Are there, there are things that have popped out at you now that you have seen it a little bit older? Um, yes, I, it's really cool to see not only Casey Nicola's vision, but just so many other directors out there's vision too. Um, for example, set design is a really big thing because on Broadway, obviously, we have the classic tree on the right side of the stage that is just so iconic. Uh, it was made of steel. Oh, I have a funny story of that. Oh, my foot Ooh. almost fell through it. Anyway. Um, like mid-show? <laughs> yeah, during a show, me and Andrew were climbing up there and we were supposed to step on specific ones that were like solid steel, but Andrew accidentally stepped on one that was hollow and the entire audience goes, <gasps> it was really interesting and I stepped through too it's okay it's fine though it was a everyone's experience. fine it was funny um but so the set design yes so a lot of high schools uh remake that iconic tree and some don't some people just have like um not a big tree that goes across the stage it's just really cool to f to see other people's vision I love that. Um, so now that you're like in your regular high school doing your shows, I know you were doing Chicago sort of when this COVID-19 situation hit. Yeah. Um, what you got, did you get to do it once at least? Yeah, that's a crazy experience too. We only Yeah, I had, sort of followed it. Um, tell me about it. No, yeah, yeah. We only had like one tech day because our school was closed due to COVID and no one was talking about are we going to have the show? Are we not going to have the show? What's going on? So we just like didn't have our tech week. And then they're like, hey, we're going to open the show tomorrow. We're going to do it once. And we're all like, um, but we haven't had tech week yet. I haven't figured out my quick changes, all that kind of thing. So we had like one tech day and we just 
we were just winging it the whole time and we did it once. It was a cool experience. I'll never forget that. Um, and also playing Velma, you know, is such a iconic role and a very adult role uh, rather than the Winnie Foster princess type, which I get cast in a lot. The mm-hmm. innocent kid child uh, princess roles. Um, so transitioning into those high school years and transitioning into a teenager and um, playing such an adult role is something that I think high school theater is really good for. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing at, at school or regionally or locally? What kind of stuff have you been doing since Tuck? Uh, I've been doing lots of local things here in Atlanta, obviously trying to book on Broadway again. Um, and you will, and you will. <laughs> um, I did Billy Elliot at City Springs Theater. I played Debbie Wilkinson, which was a fun role. Um, I was in Oliver, just a bunch of um, local shows and then focusing on being a normal kid at Milton. Great. I love that. Um, Now, I know that you, uh, I uh, kind of had a big moment at the Junior Theater Festival singing from Newsies. Um, Do people just go crazy for you because they have a sense of who you are? No, that was really, really cool. I mean, those are kids that love theater and tuck from like all around the country, just in one spot. And um, it was cool just walking. But you're there as a student. You're not there as like, you're not there as a special guest. You are, you know, one of them. I was there as, um, as a play on players person, which is the troupe that I went with. And um, some people in the festival, you know, just thought I was like a normal kid. And some people like knew who followed me on Instagram and the word got out. And then the press um, wanted to interview me there too. But it was cool because when I sang, watch what happens for all those kids, it was pretty cool. It was just magical because it felt like very rock star Broadway moment. No, it was. And um, a lot of them knowing that, um, they looked up to me so much and it was just so cool giving back and taking pictures with them and just talking to them about tuck. It was just pretty cool. Love it. Um, so talking about Instagram, so you have a lot of followers that obviously have built from, you know, the cast recording and the bootlegs and the Broadway stuff. Um, how do you sort of keep up that pressure to sort of feel like, you know, you're presenting on an Instagram and an Instagram world? Um, I don't really feel much pressure because, I mean, the people that follow me um, want to see what I'm doing and they want to see my feed. So, I mean, I don't really have that much pressure. Um, obviously, I can't really post, you know, I guess normal kid things, maybe like, I don't know. I don't know. I I've yeah, never... don't drink like a beer and post about it. I mean, I don't <laughs> um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've never really had uh, a very personal account before. So I guess I've just grown up with a very public performer account. So I don't really know any different, I guess. Got it. Um, what do you think you'll want to do for uh, continuing education? Do you think you'll go to college for musical theater? Do you think you want to do what? What do you what is your plan? Absolutely. Uh, I want to go to college for I want to get a BFA musical theater and one of the best musical theater colleges in the nation. I want to continue studying the art. Uh, but however, however, if Ooh, I listen were, up folks, however, if I were to book a Broadway show, 
before college, uh, I would definitely you could take a little break. No, yeah, because college is always going to be there, and a BFA yes. is always going to be there. But an opportunity, but you could go play Zoe and Dear Evan Hansen real quick. Oh my gosh, that. please, yes. please dream roll. <laughs> um, you'd be so good. Um, so, I mean, you know that. It, as we talk, and a lot of people who listen to this podcast are parents of kids that are interested and obviously kids who are interested in the business. Um, and, you know, a big thing we try to talk about is how this is like a long road. You might find success when you're 11 or 12, and then it, it's a huge break before you're back on Broadway again. Absolutely. But that, you know, if it's something you love doing, that you keep keep at it and you keep getting better. What are the kinds of things that you do now to keep your craft up and keep yourself sort of moving in that forward direction? Um, auditioning as much as I can, posting singing videos, tagging, hashtagging. And it, I've just come to realize that, you know, because you booked on Broadway at a young age, I always thought that, oh my gosh, I booked on Broadway. I'm going to be set for life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I genuinely thought that when you get on Broadway, you're on Broadway forever. People are going to cast you one show after another. And even the most amazing stars on Broadway still have to search for work. And that is just the reality of Broadway and theater, which is something so hard to swallow, especially at like 12 years old, having to realize, no, I'm not set for life. And I still have to audition just like everyone else. And I have to work so hard to be on Broadway again. And that's what I've been doing. I love it. And you know, it's going to happen. And I can't wait to see you back on Broadway. Um, You're such a delight and you have such an interesting, fun story that so few people have to not even to not normally be in the mix, meaning like you don't live in New Jersey, Long Island, Connecticut, which is tends (laughs) to be the Broadway kids to kind of sweep into Broadway and star have last bow in a Broadway musical before you're 13 is like a really big deal. And uh, you've had such a cool experience that I don't think many people People will have. And I know you'll use that in all of your work moving forward. And Thank it's going to be really fun to see what's next for you. Um, it's definitely all about being in the right place at the right time. Yes. Um, so we are going to have some Broadway workshop quickfire questions. So these okay. are like a bunch of questions that have been put together by a bunch of Broadway workshop students and um, just answer them as fast as you can and as truthfully as you can. And uh, <laughs> I, here we go. Are you ready? Uh, I'm nervous. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> How many times have you seen the Disney Tuck movie? Um, fourteen times. It's really bad, right? I've never. I don't think I've ever seen. It. Okay, favorite holiday? Christmas. First Broadway show you ever saw? Uh, Annie, actually. <laughs> Ooh, if you had to be quarantined with one of your cast members in Tuck, who would it be? Brooklyn Shuck. Yes, Brooklyn. Um, did you ever have braces? I did for six months. Okay. And off. You can't. You're booking. Yeah. Um, have you ever been in Legally Blonde? No, I hope so. Okay. If you had a yacht, what would you call it? Uh, uh, Susan. <laughs> um, <I've, more laughs> um, what would your superhero power be? Um, to fly. One word to describe Carolee Carmelo. Delight. Did you audition for Evan Hansen? No. Okay. I don't know if she can answer that one. Um, who's your favorite Disney princess? Cinderella. What store do you shop in the most? Not during quarantine time. Uh, TJ Maxx. <laughs> um, name one show on TLC. I don't know. Can you? 
I don't know. Damn. It's fine. <laughs> um, what do you want on your bagel? Butter and salmon. Okay, your go- your go to cast recording for car trips. Uh, do you have an answer? I mean, duh. Fill in the blank. I wish I could see Terrence Mann play. Uh, Evan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Best opening night gift for any show. Um, a sentimental card. How did you feel about the Winnie Foster wig on Broadway? It was amazing. I mean, like, it was so good. <laughs> I want blank movie to be a musical. Uh, ooh, um, I don't know. Wait. <laughs> um, wait. Also, I, pick TV show. Okay, Outer Banks, period. <laughs> yes. Um, what role should Patti Lapone play in Tuck Everlasting Revival? Um... May Tuck? <laughs> Did you watch Glee? Absolutely. Um, one thing about working with Casey Nicola. Uh, taught me everything I know. What was your first audition song? Um, I think it was Tomorrow. Do you watch Tuck Broadway bootlegs? All the time. Okay. Yes, thank you. Um, can you name two Atlanta housewives in the Real Housewives franchise? No. Great. Um, name a musical you are okay with never seeing again. Um, <clears throat> cats. <clears throat> okay. Um, if you go back in time to see any Broadway show, what would it be? Uh, Anastasia. Do you want to be in Mean Girls? Yes. Who would you want to play? I would want to play Regina George. Yes. Um, have you ever left a show at intermission? No. What movie can you watch over and over again? Um, I mean, second everlasting. I could watch that a million times. <laughs> Weirdest gift you ever received at the stage door? Um, a rubber band version of me. Oh, wow. What's the best gift you ever received at the stage door? Food. Great. What song or scene would you have cut in Tuck? Uh, nothing. Okay. What is one thing you wish people knew about you? That I'm a normal kid. Um, fill in the blank. Winnie Foster is blank. Uh, adventurous. I love it. All right. Thank you, Sarah Charles. Where can people find you? If they want to follow all things Sarah Charles Lewis. At Sarah Charles Lewis, every social media platform. And you'll find her. Um, Sarah, it's such a delight to chat with you. Um, it's been really fun to watch you grow up. You're so talented. And um, I can't wait to see what's next for you. And, um, you know, keep up all of the brilliant work. And uh, I know we're going to find you back on Broadway in a hot second. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. It's a thrill. So, guys, remember to subscribe to the Little Me podcast, rate and review it so that I can feel fancy. And uh, follow me at Mark Tumanelli. That's M-A-R-C-T-U-M-M-I-N-E-L-L-I on Instagram. And, uh, you know, keep telling people about Little Me podcast and Broadway Workshop and all those things. Sarah Charles, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.